una mujer no se raja, you know, like a woman doesn't give up. First guest of First Generation Dreams, we have Marlene. She is born and raised in East Salinas. Her parents' legacy, who immigrated from Mexico. She is a Chico State and USF grad, a business owner, community advocate, a beer craftswoman, and a mother. And we are so honored to have you here. I just want to plug your business real quick, which is Brew and Crew Ale House in Salinas. Without further ado, we have Marlene. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jennifer and Brandon. Thank you so much for, well, first of all, for welcoming me into the space. I feel very honored and blessed to be here. Yeah, very excited, very blessed to be here. Jennifer, thank you for allowing this opportunity for me to join you on your quest as you continue to give voice to the folks in the community. Um, and I'm very excited to get started on this episode with Marlene. So Marlene, how would you describe what first generation means to you? And feel free to go into your journey and just overall story, wherever you want to start. So first of all, my name is Marlene Garcia. I like to honor my children, uh, Victoria and Julian. And, you know, I'm a daughter to Graciela and Gildardo Garcia. So born and raised here in East Salinas. My parents immigrated from Mexico. First generation, right? But like I had mentioned, that holds a lot of meaning to me. While I get to represent that first generation uh, label, I don't really feel like it belongs to me. The true first generation are my parents, you know, Graciela and Gildardo Garcia. Young Mexicans decided to immigrate to America, build or make the American dream happen, right? For them, I'm part of their American dream. For me, I think the first generation is, that that's them. I'm the person that comes second. Like I'm, I'm the dream that now gets to create another dream. So if anything, first generation are, are my parents. I say this very openly because they're the ones that crossed the border, worked endless hours in the fields, saved enough money, you know, to then sell at the flea market, then sell at the swap meets. Soon enough, we're able to purchase their own liquor store in Taqueria, right? And then we were lucky enough to have them send both my siblings and I to a four-year university. So I feel like they were the foundation. They're the first ones to do it. When we talk about how did you make it, right? I'm like, well, why why wouldn't I? If I have the greatest examples, like they had literally less than what I have now. And they were able to raise three young adults that graduated and have their careers and are now establishing the foundation for their children. Like this is the first gen is them. I'm just the second the second generation to come and my children would be the third. If I can uh, hop in on that, because I've been confronted and I'm sure Jennifer has to actually spoke about this last week about the concept of first generation. And uh, for Jennifer, she shared with me that it was something that while she's come across like the concept before, it wasn't something that she sat down with to think about a lot. For me, I've come across it as well. I wanted to ask, did, do you feel any pressure because that is the narrative that you're existing in the space that you're existing in do you feel that pressure to be successful or to really make it happen because your your parents made something happen out of nothing with, with that weight on your shoulder what what anchors you 
I don't know how this is going to come off, but <laughs> I was the bad seed in my family. I was the troublemaker. I was the one where my I have an older sister. And she was the first one, obviously, that went through it all. She was, um, my parents were very strict. So, and then my brother came and then I came. We followed each other's steps. So we went to the same elementary, same middle school, same high school. And we were actually all supposed to go to CSUMB. Like we were, that was, my dad was like, you're going there. Easy, perfect, right? I was like, heck no, I'm not going to CSUMB. I used to miss school a lot. I used to be, I'm telling you, I used to be the bad one. I used to be the one that used to like have kickbacks at her house because her parents were always working. My parents were literally always working. So they were never home. So actually with your question, like I didn't really get the pressure. It's funny because my mom actually gave me the option. She said, you know what? It's okay, Miha, you don't have to go to college. Like it's okay. And I think that actually drove me to go to college. So I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't think I can go to college? But she was like, no, well, you're like, you're truant all the time. My grades weren't bad, but they weren't great. You know, they weren't like straight A's or anything. I had like A's, B's and C's, you know? So for my mom, it was like, it's okay. Like, I guess you're the one that just is going to just hang around. So for me, I didn't really have that pressure. I created that pressure for myself when my mom told me, you have that option. And I was like, no, why would you give me that option? What do you mean? So you don't think, I started thinking to my head, my mom doesn't believe in me or my mom thinks I'm going to be a failure or like maybe I'm not my mom's favorite. You know, like I started thinking all these things. So then I decided to go to college at Fourier University and I actually went four hours away from Salinas, I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the college life the way I want, you know, the way I saw it in movies, you know, like they drive hello far. So for me, I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. Didn't want to go into business. Just wanted to prove to my mom, like, no, like I can do it too. You know, um, while even though I was in the straight A student, like I can still make something happen with myself. So I feel like for me, that was my drive, that the option that my mom gave me drove me (laughs) to go to school and, you know, eventually create, you know, make a career out of it. Yeah. Can you walk us through that from, so you, you went to college and you got, you, it was for business, correct? No, actually it wasn't. So, okay. So I graduated high school and I went to Chico State. And honestly, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a counselor. I wanted to, you know, be cool with the bad kids and, you know, tell them like, hey, it's okay. I was one of you guys. It's all right. I always knew I wanted to like give back and help troubled students or students like myself that had parents that were literally working all day, every day, you know, multiple jobs at the same time. I went to school and I actually went into psychology and social sciences. And after that, I was there for four years. The first year my dad actually passed away. Even then my, that option again came about where my family was telling me like, Hey, you have to come back now. Your dad's gone. You know, you have to take care of your mom. That's the, when my mom didn't give me the option. She said, you know what? No, now you're going to stay in school because that's the last place your dad sent you and you're going to go and you're going to finish that. So four years later, I finished, I graduated in psychology and social sciences. 
So my goal was to become somehow like an administrator or work at a school. I then came back to Salinas, started working, didn't find a job, chased the American dream, but I didn't find a job. <laughs> so I was working at Denny's. I worked as an assistant manager at Denny's here in South Maine. I freaking loved it. Still by far my favorite job. It taught me so much and it really made me appreciate uh, my parents and made me appreciate like everyone that works in the hospitality business because damn, that is something else. You know, after that, I started working at the city, Salinas, the public library. So I was working two jobs. And then I said, you know what, let me just go for my master's. What am, what do I have to lose? Went into my master's and started getting my admin credential. And yeah, I, like I said, I was like, I'm going to become a counselor at community college or a university. That's my goal. But before I did that, I wanted to get some type of classroom time. I didn't know what teaching was like. So I went into teaching while pursuing my master's and credentials. I was like set in stone, like this is my life. You know, I'm gonna become an administrator. I am going to become like the cool teacher, you know, like the cool counselor. I'm gonna be that person. Like I, that was my life. And then I ended up getting pregnant and that just rocked my world. It was like, whoa, it was another, like I, it was a different wave that hit. With that being said, nowhere, in that story did I mention business because that was never my intention. My mom laughs at me now because I used to hate them being business because they were never here. Like my siblings got to have both of my parents at their graduation, their special events. Like I either had one or none. My brother and my sister were the representatives. I used to like dislike that a lot. And not even dislike, it was like a, like a hate. I'll, I will say that like, oh my gosh, my parents were never here, which is why it allowed me to have parties, allowed me to ditch school because they were never here. So how would they know? So yeah, I used to tell my parents like, no, like I would never do that to my kids. I would never put them through that. I would never, I'll never go into business. I don't even want anything from the business mom. Like whenever you're dividing like the will, just don't get, don't give me anything of the business. And it was just because, again, it was just like their presence was never felt, at least for me. Like I never felt like they were truly there for me because their mind was always somewhere else. Even when they were celebrating me in a special event, it was always like, oh, work, 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 work. So again, now she laughs at me because she's like, you always said you didn't want business and then here you are. <laughs> That's really... First of all, sorry to hear about your father's passing at, you know, such a detrimental age. But in light of all that, the irony behind you being a businesswoman in a man-dominated area with the brewery business. Now that you have kids, how does that, I don't want to say humble your perspective, but how does that reframe your perspective? Maybe like reflecting, because from reading from what you sent for the uh, in response to, to the questions, you seem like a very introspective person. You seem like you have had points in your life where maybe it wasn't your initial response to sit down and think, but it seems like now you are a person who thinks a lot. I, I would say more than, than you know, your, your typical wave catcher, your, your trend follower. It, it seems like you're an introspective person. So now that you're in this space of being a business owner, a, a businesswoman, a, a mother, 
but also having been the child of a business owner, almost coming full circle, how, how does that motivate your drive going forward? Like what, what's, I'm curious, because you, your, your story is, is very potent in such a small amount of time. So I'm very curious what your plans are with this brewery uh, and your vision for it in a community like Salinas, where, I mean, for me growing up, I mean, the story is very similar to, to everybody else's, where our parents were constantly working. And I moved out when I was like in high school. So I had a culture shock. I'm sure like you experienced a culture shock moving away from college. And we kind of get to see like, oh, Salinas is a very unique area. It's a very unique city in the population size, but also the demographics. So you being in the space of a businesswoman, uh, I'm curious, what are your visions for your brewery um, and in the community like Selena's? Like, what what is your your big dream uh, moving forward? Or have you even, not that you even need to have an answer for that, but is that something that, because you seem, to me, you just seem like a person like that have, you, you faced enough to have made you think and I personally, like in my experience, you reap what you sow type of thing. You get out what you put in. It, it's it's almost like you've been dealt enough blows in life to where you could have had every excuse to not be in the position you are. But you seem to be very, I would dare to say optimistic because I, I haven't ran into too many people that get hit like this by life and deal with it in a way that the dividends are positive. Because you seem to have dealt with it in a way that life rewarded you with a blessing, you know? So if you can walk me through like your perspective on that, like you said, dreams do come true. That's the question I really wanted to get at was like, what does that mean to you? What does that dreams do come true? What does that little seed like hold for you? Well, first of all, yeah, I think definitely dreams do come true. I think for me, the fact that I was able to go into a space where I had 37, 37, like 20 little minds, you know, looking up to you, uh, made me realize, wait a minute, like here I am letting them know you can be anyone in anything you want to be. As long as you set your mind to it, right? You can do it. And I think for me, you know, I consider myself to be privileged because of my first gen parents, right? Because of them. For me, it became a, almost like an idea. And it all started like an, with an idea like, well, what if I <laughs> proved to them, right? That you could think dreams do happen, right? Because, you know, there was times where we'd sit down in the classroom and just talk about like, what do you, who do you want to be? And a lot of them were like, oh, I want to be like a football player. I want to be a professional soccer player. I want to be a YouTuber, blah, blah, blah. All these cool things, right? And um, I'm like, oh, you definitely can make that happen. And some of them would say like, yeah, I know. And other others would say, Nah, that would never happen for me, you know, or no, no, because my parents don't have money or no, because, you know, all these excuses, which are very real, I won't say they're not, but, um, I think for me, you know, they see you as an, as a teacher. So they just assume you are rich and you have money and all this stuff, but that's not even true. Right. So then I, I remember sitting down and just thinking like, Hey, like, here I am telling my students that they can be whoever they want to be and why why am I not why am I not pursuing this crazy idea or this wild dream of mine and you know after that day I said like you know what I'm gonna make my do my research and I'm just gonna go for it whatever if it 
if it fails, it fails. If it doesn't, at least I could say I tried, right? And, you know, I decided to pursue this male-dominant field, go into it, get a lease, and kind of go with it day by day. And, I mean, I will say it was not easy. It was so hard, and it was sad, very lonely. But I I stick by this, this quote, que el que quiere puede, you know, whoever wants to will. And, you know, I wanted this so bad that, you know, I, I, I did whatever I had to do to make it happen. And this literally, by saying this, not anything illegal, obviously, but like I literally had to go to my aunt's house and my cousin's house, younger cousins, you know, to ask for money. Because, I mean, think about it, I, we don't come from big money. Like my parents, after my dad's death, like a lot of the money just kind of, their savings kind of went away because, you know, all these new bills started popping up. So yeah, like money was a big thing. So for me, it was more of a, like, okay, if you truly want something, you're gonna make it happen, right? And I was able to go door to door, ask my uncles and aunts, you know, for money, even ask my friends. I remember I called one of my friends, damn. I'll never forget. It was like a, a one phone call that I made to him. And he's my high school friend. And I told him, hey, you know what? I don't think this brewery is going to happen. Because I don't have $40,000. And with and no questions asked, he literally said, I have 10000 How do you want me to give you this money? It was pretty crazy because, like, a lot of these. So it's, like, people like that, I would call and say, like, hey, like, you know, let me borrow this money or can I borrow this money and then I'll pay you back within six months or as soon as my loan, like, kicks in and stuff. Yeah, there was people like him that literally no questions asked. We're like, yeah, just finish what you started, dude. Finish it, make it happen. That's why when I say, like, surround yourself with people that want to see you win, that's very true. Because who lets you borrow just 10K without even asking you? It's just like someone that doesn't believe in you will not do that for you. A lot of the things that occurred had to do with money, like bad things, you know? It was like, oh, I don't have money for this. I don't have money for that. But not because I went, in, I went into this project without knowing that it was a monster. You know, it was huge. It was bigger than me, bigger than anything that we had ever, like, encountered. Actually, when I signed the lease, you know, you give a deposit. And then after the deposit, you know, we hired an architect, which literally cost me a teacher's salary, literally $55,000 to build out everything, to do the paperwork, all the drawings and everything. And then um, keep in mind, I had a budget of 250000 That was my budget. I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to, this is it. This is it. It didn't happen that way. I mean, we we had to readjust our budget multiple times, but it was it was wild because I I still talk to my mom about this. I'm like, how did we come up with all this money, mom? Like a lot of it came with from her life savings and stuff. How did we make it happen? We used to cry together. So we're like, mom, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And she's like, no, it's gonna happen. <laughs> First of all, it's gonna happen because you owe me money. <laughs> We've already invested too much money into this. Second of all, it's gonna happen because we're gonna make it happen. And I'm not gonna say like every person we called let us borrow money because there was people that would literally laugh in our face and say like a woman does not belong in business. That you guys are crazy to think that you're gonna make this possible. I think a lot of those individuals that did tell us women don't belong in the spaces like that, I don't want to say they were a drive because I don't want to give them that much importance. 
because what really drove me were the people that were cheering for me. That person that said I couldn't do it, I had like 20 people telling me, hell no, you're doing it. Like, you're doing it. You know, you had people that didn't even know who I was. So it was almost like, I don't know, I don't know how to say it without saying, giving them praise, you know. But they did allow me or find more individuals that believed in us you know the concept of like the dreams do come true is like you really have to sit down and think about it because i could have given up a long time ago like i could have given up it was pre-covid and it sounds kind of like messed up but my world shut down before covid hit and it was because i didn't i honestly didn't think it was gonna happen i didn't think it was gonna work out i remember coming home day telling my mom hey like I I think we're gonna have to either like give the lease up or like have that talk with my landlord I don't think you know our loan didn't come through and I remember she's like you know if there's one thing that I taught you or that I want you to like learn from me is that una mujer no se raja, you know like a woman doesn't give up a woman faces like machismo they face like all these like challenges with men even like they get looked down because they are women especially you you're mexican but the one thing i i want you to know is that you know if you truly want something you're gonna make it happen so rather than rather than coming 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 into my room and telling me like hey it's not gonna happen how about we just sit down and talk about how we can make it happen what do you need? You know, we started talking and it's like, well, we need money, you know? And it was wild because it literally within seven days, like we were able to come up with a personal loan. Like it was crazy. Like the way things work with that talk with my mom and just, she is damn, like that woman's a warrior, man. Like that lady, little lady, like, damn. she literally was the person I would lean on all the time on it with everything but so then when COVID hit it was almost like a time for me to like breathe and it sounds very messed up to say right because I was like cool like you know construction is going to stop or we're going to pause so invoices are going to stop you know we can come up with all this money and then obviously things started getting serious right like we're now no people are dying from this and like now everyone's going home. Now now it was like another shift. Now everything was back ordered and things were not things that took two to three weeks were taking two to four months. So then it was another wave where, okay, now we have money, but now we can't do anything. Now like the the brewery has to sit down and just stop and just kind of lay there and wait until the city gives us the okay. COVID happened, didn't work out. I remember me and my contractor were beefing it because it was like, what's going on? Like, I feel like you're playing me. And then he's like, no, I feel like you're playing me. You don't get it. And then it was just a whole mess. It was a, a, like very ugly. People left the brewery. They were like, we don't want to work there anymore. It was not cool. It was just like, it really did feel like it wasn't going to happen. It honestly truly felt like I am, I'm still like in awe. Like sometimes I walk up to that building. I'm like, oh, wow, that's mine. Like this is what we worked so hard for, you know? Even the ugliest parts of the build out and stuff, I think made me realize that, you know, everybody used to say, oh, it's going to be worth it, right? I'm still waiting for that. It's going to be worth it part. But regardless of whatever dream anyone is chasing, whether it's big or small, like it, dreams are possible. They truly are. I'm still a firm believer of that. It's just how bad do you want that dream? And I'm the first one to say it. Like, they're not cool. They're It's not easy to chase. I mean, they're not easy. But it's like, it took me, what, almost four years to get to be able to open doors to that place. I just feel like I'm... 
like one of the examples that anyone can use. Like a dream doesn't happen within overnight. They don't. And trust me, I'm I'm very impatient. So I wanted things done like ASAP, you know, and I think this taught me how to be be patient and trust the process and trust that things happen for a reason. Things work out the way they were supposed to. And I'm very happy because if they it wouldn't if they wouldn't work out the way if things didn't play out the way they did, if I wasn't in need of money, I would have already probably sold the brewery to someone else, which is part of the tea part that I wanted to talk about because there was a lot of men with audacity trying to buy me out, not lend me money. They were like, I want to buy you out. Like, I want to be the boss there. There's so much to unpack, but... Aside from like kudos and all the possible praiseworthy things, like a huge virtual hug for just remaining true to yourself and your vision, because I think you stick into your guns. You don't even have to say anything, but there's so much that's being said just by your presence with the fact that you're like remaining in this space despite all like the storms that you've been hit with i do want to ask another question yeah like just as someone that's like just in pursuit of this platform right like jennifer i know can relate to a lot of the emotions that you went through and i know that a lot of listeners may be in the space too where even though you said that you're still waiting for that aha moment that this was worth it moment it sounds like you're in a place where your heart is content with the scars that you've acquired because of the stories that it gives way to, like the testimony that it gives way to. But for a listener that is still holding on to that vision that may still be going through like those dark days, how would you describe that reality of of the darkness that can consume you if you allow it? Like those moments where you were crying you know, that cry was an expression of an emotion because it sounds like you were afraid that this might fall through, through and through, right? So are you a faith-based person? Do you have, like, do you meditate? Do you do yoga? Do you always have like a one phrase thing? Yeah, like when you were in the midst of that darkness, for someone that's right now pursuing something that may seem like far-fetched because it seems like you were completely discouraged so another thing, when you were saying that you didn't want to give power to like the people that doubted you flat out, I appreciate that. Like, that's really good because it, for me, I, you know, object or subjectively saying it's, it's really good. I, I admire that because what I think you did without maybe realizing was not so much that you gave them a space in your gas tank so they can put a little bit of fuel in it, but more so recognize the lines that other people drew for you. And then you were dancing outside of that, knowing that you already knew it was uncharted territory for you. You know, you didn't need anybody to remind you, but it almost seems like you recognize where other people were drawing the line for you. And it was one of those moments in life, maybe where it's like, okay, I'm not tripping. Like this is something bigger than I really realized at first. And you are kind of just dancing in the middle of like your own chaos of trying to pursue what you have, uh, you know, this like internal voice telling you to follow versus shutting out the outside world or recognizing, trying to, you know, decipher whether 
to listen or not listen or who's right, who's wrong. So in those moments where it seems like people are drawing lines for you, flat out, blatantly doubting you, you know, casting those stones, what would you say to, you know, a person that may be in that space as well? Because it, it sounds like you have, you know, despite your, your crazy past and, and all your delinquencies, it sounds like you have a tender heart for truth and for a genuine pursuit of dreams. So someone who may also have a tender heart, you know, what do you have to say to that person that may be dealing with that outside noise, trying to like struggle to gather the strength to, to you know, carry the weight of their own heart and voice? My best advice would be, I would say to take it all in. I think it's also important to hear, I think it's important to hear the good and the bad, right? You have your cheerleaders and then you have your doubters. I think it's very important, at least for me, while my family was like, don't listen, don't listen. It was like, no, like, I want to listen. Like, I want to hear what they have to say. I want to, I want to know what's being said about me, or I want to read like articles that were published about me and like, you know, the comment section, I, I would go and read that, right? Because I wanted to know. And while that was, yeah, some of the comments, you know, hurt my feelings, I would get stuff screenshot. I think it's important for you to take it in. And I'm not saying not everybody is like me, right? That's just what I chose to do. But I feel like it really did ground me and made me stronger. It made me realize, okay, like, so they don't like this about me or, oh, they're saying that I am a person that, you know, I have long, I wear wigs or I have long nails and they don't think I can make beer because of that. Well, certain think comments like that, for me, the best advice would be like, hey, if you want to listen to them, do it. Listen to it. It's the curiosity, whether you want to believe, whether you want to admit it or not low-key you want to know what people are saying about you i don't care what you try to tell you tell me you do like and it's it's cool it's okay i think if you feel it in your heart that you want to hear and read or whatever take it all in and then afterwards you decide okay you can dwell on it for a couple minutes don't dwell on it like forever right i like to sit in my feelings and i always tell my family like if i'm bringing something up that happened two days ago just let me don't even say anything just let me vent it out and it, you could ignore me, but it's just because I want to vent it out out loud. I think I did a lot of that, a lot of that stuff during the process. It's also very important to understand that the journey in itself, if you're going through it, I get it. It's not easy. And if it, it is easy for you, damn, that's awesome. But if you're going through a phase where you're like, hey, I don't know, if, is this going to happen? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. That is also very much okay because I had no idea what I was doing. Trust me, I now I do. Now I'm like, okay, let's do this again. <laughs> but no, really, if you truly do feel like you you have no one, just know that that's okay. And also know that you're not alone. A lot of the business owners literally went through that. You have my handle. You, I'm always, I'm open book. You need to talk to somebody. I am very much open to talking to anybody that's pursuing the dream. I think it's very, it's okay to, to know that this is not a cool journey to be on. It sucks. It really does suck. And a lot of it, again, I feel like it has to do with money. I don't know why it sucks to say like, it's like the financial behind it, right? Like, how am I going to build this out? How am I going to make this happen when I have like 
all these bills that I have to pay. It's okay if you're living check by check. I did that and I was working two full-time jobs to make this project happen. It's all right if you went to college and you're not rich and you're trying to become somebody. It's all right. Like, it's okay. I, don't, I think that there's a stigma, right? Like you're supposed to be at, at a certain place because you went to college, you followed the path, right? That your parents built out. You went to high school, you went to college, you went to grad school, and you're supposed to have a house. You're supposed to do all these things. Like you're supposed to be at on top of the mountain, but it's not, it doesn't work that way. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I think everybody's journey is different and very much, very beautiful. I think you just have to take it in and acknowledge it. I think that if anybody is feeling like their dream is impossible, just know that it's not. That, and it's going to take time, a lot of time, patience. And even now, people that are listening are probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because trust me, I was that person where people would tell me like, yeah, it's going to be, it's okay. It's all right. It sucks hearing that. But sometimes like when you're on the other side, you start realizing, ah, now I get it, you know? And it sucks because if you're not at that side, you're still like maybe like, oh my gosh, why am I here? But like I said, surround yourself with people that want to see you win and surround yourself with people that have already been there. And they'll, they will tell you that, hey, it's going to be okay. And sometimes it's cool because people will tell you straight up, like, you know what, it's, you know, maybe you're doing things wrong. So that's why I say connect with individuals that have already done it and use them as your network because I've learned so much from people that did it before that I'm like, whoa, why did it take me this long to connect with you? It's because, oh, it's okay. I could do it. I could do it by myself or I'll figure it out. That would be my best advice is if, if you want to take the criticism in, take it. If you don't, it's okay. Not everybody can, right? It, I think it's just what you decide to do with that criticism that will either make you or break you, you know? It's like, you just have to find the balance. All right, Jennifer, you're going to have to ask now because I... I... There's so many parts of the journey that like we can both relate to and attest to and I'm just going to keep hogging it. No, your story is so dope. To have so much courage to commit to your vision and your dream, to be unashamed of what you went through and people are offering you easy outs, right? People are shutting you down. There's so much negativity and there's so much like, I don't know, I could say haters you know, like there's just so many people who did not believe in you, but there is these other folks who just knew you could do it and that you would do it. So shout out to your friend, shout out to your parents. What's amazing to me is like, there's so much power in reaching for your dreams. And I think we kind of forget that in terms of like, because there's so many barriers, you know, not everyone has money, you know, not everyone has that same generational wealth and there's so many things that could happen. But I really want to know, you had this point where you stopped teaching or you're probably in between and then you had this vision about starting this brewery. And I kind of want to know, like it, you said it started out with an idea, but I kind of want to know how it manifested, where it sparked. And you talk about why you remind yourself why you wanted to bring it to Selena. So I really want to know that piece of your story. Are you sure you're ready for it? Okay, so about seven years ago, Stephen and I, that's my partner, we used to travel up and down California, visiting different breweries because he was very much into craft beer. And we used to come home with cases, not four packs, cases of beer. And 
we used to spend around 300 to like $700 each time we did our little brewery crawl. You know, when Victoria came, my daughter, she, I remember coming home one day, you know, she was still in her baby carrier. So I was, I was carrying baby here and Steven was carrying his, like the packs. I remember we had spent like 500 and something. And I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. Here we are, you know, with Victoria, she was a couple months old and then I'm carrying her. You can't help me carry her because you're carrying beer cases. Like that's ridiculous. We're spending so much money every weekend visiting breweries, spending money on other people's beer. Why don't you just make your own? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it, you know? But here's the thing. Steven's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. But for me, when he's like, yeah, 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 I was like, cool, we're doing it. I was on Amazon that night, ordered the case. I bought it. I remember I paid like 150 bucks. It got here literally within a few days. And then it sat there in the freaking garage for like two months. And I remember telling him like, hey, dude, like, so what's up? Like, are you ever going to open that or... Am I going to open it or are you going to open it? Like, is it going to be me? Because I can do it. Just let me know. And he was like, no, no, I'll do it. So then whatever. He ended up doing it. He brewed a beer. We invited our family over. They had beer. And then he was like, okay. So they, they liked the beer. Of course, this recipe came with the kit. So it wasn't really his, you know? So it was like, okay. It was fine though. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to order him back. And then, yeah, he started brewing beer. We started inviting people over and people used to look at us funny. You want us to go to your house to try your beer? And we're like, yeah, why? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. This was before pop-ups were a thing, you know, now pop-ups are a thing, you know? So people used to look at us funny, like, what? You want us to go to your backyard? We're like, yeah, go to our backyard. Anyways, after a couple months, we had this huge one in our backyard, like a huge one. We even gave shirts out. We gave little like cups out. It was like a very official, unofficial beer tasting. I remember we had like, we gave them food and they had donuts and everything. So we had so many people there. And I remember telling my mom, like, look, like we can make a, what if we made a brewery? And then she, I remember she looked at me, she's like, yeah, I would support you. I'm like, okay. So for me, I was like, okay, mom's in. That's all I needed. You know, she was in. I'm like, cool. Then I started looking for places and we actually, before 155 Main Street, where we're at now, we had actually already obtained a lease uh, behind PG&E and it just didn't work out. So what people don't know is that we didn't just go into 155 Main Street. We had like, I remember we we're going to be behind PG&E, then we were going to be in Constitution in that Safeway area. Then we were going to be by Buffalo Wild Wings. And then we were going to be in the 300 block, 200 block. And then somehow we ended up in the 100 block. So we, it took us like probably like six months to find our location. I remember we signed the lease, you know, gave our deposit. We had to pay, you know, got insurance on the place, everything, got our keys March of 2019. And I actually, it was an interesting time for Steven and I, because we were in the transition of like, hey, like Marlene made it happen now. So, but Steven wasn't sure if he truly wanted to pursue that. I think for me, it was like, well, who wouldn't, you know, I didn't really sit down and say, hey, like, do you want to do this? Like, it was more like, he'll do what he, what I want him to do. You know, like, I thought we were like in the same place, but we weren't. So I think I was already too deep in there to sit around and wait, you know, for my partner to be ready. 
he went through a transition where he didn't know what he wanted, you know, and I was included in that part where he didn't know if he wanted to be with me or didn't know if he wanted to pursue the brewery or he just wanted to go and party, you know? So it was a transition for us. But so for me, I didn't have that. I was already too deep in there. So which is why then it transitioned to now it's woman-owned brewery because I had to learn how to brew beer. Like I had to learn how to do certain things that Steven used to do, which is another interesting part of it because a lot of the talk was like, oh, I took it, but I didn't take anything. I just had to, I had to do what I had to do, you know? I ended up learning how to brew beer, did the same thing process, like had people taste the beer. I actually even had Steven taste the beer and say like, hey, what do you think? It was my biggest critique, still is. <laughs> it took him a lot to say like, oh, wow, like you did it? You were able to do it? I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, just did what you told me and read the book and followed the instructions. So what do you think? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So then you can kind of do it yourself. So I'm like, yeah. Throughout the transition, right, it was like the phase, like going to me with architect. And keep in mind, it was me, you know. Like after school, going to all these meetings with my after school or calling in a sub and doing all these, having all these meetings, which is why I decided to leave teaching because I didn't think it was fair for me to step out so many days out of a school year, you know, for to go and do the brewery stuff. The whole permit took about eight months. My brother actually, you know, after he realized, okay, like Marlene's doing it, she's doing it on her own. I'm going to, you know, help her. He actually flew out with me to China. We got to tour the, the equipment facility. So we, he was able to literally bought me my entire brewing system from China. We brought it here. It stayed in storage. Yeah, the whole concept of it was more like it wasn't supposed to be mine. Like I didn't start this because it was like, oh, like, I love craft beer. Like, it was supposed to be a project that my partner and I started. But when that transition was going on, it was like, hey, yeah, like, it became just mine. And then I, I fell in love with it because then I was like, wow, like, you could make, you know, beer out of cereal? Like, that's crazy. You know, you could add, like, candy. You could make it, you can make a bunch of stuff, you know, like you could add all these different flavors and what's the worst that can happen? It's like the worst that can happen. It's like one, you create a bomb ass beer or two, it's like you just dump it. So that in itself was just like how it started, you know, that it was never meant to be mine. I never meant to take anything. I just had to take that. I finished what we started. The one thing that I will say is that I never, never not showed up for my brewery. Like I never took time i showed up every single fucking day every day every time something was going on so that's why when the brewery transitioned it was like marlene 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 because marlene's the one that knows everything marlene so then you know it came to a point where like you're right it is mine like it is a woman-owned brewery like that's my baby like yeah i'm the one that's like going through it i'm the one that goes to meetings i'm the one that had to come up with all the money i'm the one that people had to see i'm the one that i had to commit to paying people back. That's why it was, that's why I hold it very dear to my heart because it was me. Like I went through that. It's like a mother, you know, you raise your child and it, that's my baby right there. I, I, it took me four years, but it's, that's a four year old right there. That's how it started. The journey started with us just visiting breweries and it started with us together. Again, like life works funny, right? Now Steven's brewing the beer there with alongside with me. It took time, but we're there making it happen together but i think that's really how it worked beginning of brewing crew you are such a badass 
I'm very curious. Like I'm into film, and like I, you know, I have many dreams. Jennifer knows. She can tell you I'm a little whack. There needs to be some sort of documentary starring you because you represent everything about Selena's and Selena's women and Selena's hustle to the absolute core. And I am like, I don't even know you like that. I feel very honored to be able to say that I am very inspired by the fact that, like Jennifer said, you committed to your vision but also when you were met with the resistance and the hostility, especially when it comes down to the gossip, because it, it sounds like a, a very primitive way to attack somebody, to try to tear down an intimate space where no one but the two people within that space should have any room to speak on, to, to talk about something so sacred, something so private, and to use that against you. There's a there's a friend of mine who once told me like the closer you get to God, the more the devil's gonna try to break that relationship apart, right? Whether you're a religious person or an atheist, you can also look at it as the closer you get to your purpose, the more the negative energy is gonna try to keep you from that. And sometimes those are the last like attempts of all this bad stuff to try to tear you down because it's a distraction it consumes your energy and it's, it's like you're you're watering that as opposed to watering your own garden that is profoundly inspiring because it speaks to an emotional intelligence you allowed yourself to take that criticism and then continue to walk with grace towards your own and then finally because of all that it sounds like you found the actual like light that you were shining like i am who i am i am this person this is me like i you were completely you're taking complete ownership of that and I, that is so powerful especially in your space as a woman because i mean for me i'm in medicine which is another male dominated field i see that all the time it's like so easy for these little weirdos to just click up and cry, like try to deter women but the way that i see being you know being raised by my mom and like having older an older sister and a younger sister you can see the insecurities being projected by all these people and being like it says more a lot it, it says a lot more about them than it does about you know you so big kudos to you and it's really cool to just hear the depth with which you're speaking because it sounds like you really went through it not around it didn't duck it didn't numb it in a way that kept you from this like you experienced it and regardless of the bruises along the way it sounds like you almost like really recognized who you are and what you're capable of is super inspiring. And I'm very excited to one day have my little girl grow up. And like my girl, she's a badass too. And just having that type of energy around now having a little baby girl, like I have there's stars in the sky that I can point to and be like, you're going through some stuff. Like this reminds me of this story. I commend you in your journey. And I'm very excited to see your success unfold because there's no doubt that you're going to be successful. The people with your perspective, outlook, and the grace with which you have made it through your tribulations, they don't get torn down easily by the gossip. 
anymore. And I'm sure you have been able to just completely dismiss things that maybe in the beginning would shake you a little bit. My next, you know, visit hometown, you could expect me there for sure. And any old friends from Selena's highly encourage you to pack the place out. Um, it is so like inspiring to know that you also like planted it there at home to be a visible pillar for people who will relate to your story in, in many different capacities, especially to your old students. You know, it's kind of like that one old saying, like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. And I'm glad you kept going because the, the story that you have now is badass to say the absolute least. I'll get off my soapbox because I'm very long-winded, <laughs> but very, very, very cool to share this space with you. It's like, I want to know more, right? I feel like there's so many, you had so many pieces, I'm sure from like, you know, childhood and then growing up with your siblings and then your parents having their own business and then you trying to go to school, but then your parents are so supportive on like, I also come from Asian parents, so like not going to school was not an option. So like, I understand sometimes you put that pressure on yourself. So I love that you just stepped on faith and it was like, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to go to school, but then something switched and you're like, no, I can do this too. And I do think it is easy when you haven't seen anyone else really do the things that you're doing. I know you had your mom and things like that, but what you did was, I always say it's a crazy time. It's such a crazy time in this world and there's just so much, like everything's visible and everyone feels so freely to gossip and say what they have to say and just have an opinion and be judgmental. And you didn't let any of that get to you. I mean, you did, but you know, you overcame it. And I think that shows a true testament to your character. And it's like, that's why I want to keep knowing more because it's like, it's really cool that you just completely went for it. And I'm seeing a trend of like, you believe in yourself. And you believe in in dreams. And I think that's so amazing for this first episode. And I don't know, Brandon, do you have any lasting questions? Marlene, is there anything else on your heart that we didn't cover that you want to put out there? Yeah, I think one thing that I want I would like everybody to know is that while Brewing Crew is very much mine, <laughs> I think that it truly believe Brewing Crew is a community brewery. I've said this on my posts. I've said this like to people that walk into Brewing Crew because everybody saw it grow up. You know, everybody, if you followed my journey while my mom was in the background saying, don't tell anybody. I was like, no, I'm telling everybody what the hell is going on because this is my story. Like, it's not pretty. I don't want to just put like the cool stuff that's going on. I want to put the shitty stuff too. Brewing Crew is a community brewery. Like, I think it's, you know, everybody's baby. Um, Everybody saw it grow up. So that's why for me, when I saw that line, you know, on our opening day, I was like, dang, like, that's badass. You know, I used to beg people to come to my house. And now there's a line outside of our door. Not only that, I think that growing up, we used to always think, hey, why don't people do this? Like, why don't people with money, like have events? Or why don't people like, you know, like, why, why don't the big money people give back, which I'm not saying they don't, you know, but I guess for me, it was like, I don't really see it. Or I don't feel it. You know, I want it to create a space that was able to do that. Now with Brewing Crew, you know, while we were not open for the past, what, two, 
three years, we were still doing little events, you know, for the community. And that's very important. I think that I would love everybody to know that Brewing Crew is not only a brewery, but it also is a place that fun events, you know, such as during the pandemic, we did a free haircuts at a local elementary school where we gave out over 100 free haircuts for kids. We brought a pumpkin patch, you know, to East Salinas because think about it. Salinas, where are the pumpkin patches here? They're like all in the outskirts, but no one's ever thought about bringing one to the east side where, you know, people that don't drive can just walk to and grab a pumpkin, right? So that's what we did also during the pandemic. You know, we've done our annual Dia de los Muertos at the Salinas Pal Center. Like all these events, we don't profit off of them. If anything, like my mom likes to say, you know, you, we, we lose money. It's not even about losing. It's just like you're investing, mom. Like you were investing in the community. Like all these pumpkins that we purchase, like are going home to little ones. They're going to enjoy it. Like think about it that way, right? Again, my mom's very traditional, very like strict, very Mexican. Like, no, no, no. If anything, I want Brewing Crew to be remembered as that community brewery built out by regular kid do from East Salinas. <laughs> Nothing special. And I, even now, I don't consider myself as anybody special. I'm just Marlene. You see me in the street, you want to talk to me, talk to me. I'm, I don't feel like I'm like anybody special. I will always say this, so I'm big in every way, shape or form. Like that's, that's just who I am. But I'm just Marlene. It was beyond an honor. And I have no doubts that Brewing Crew will unfold to fulfill all the visions that you have for it, plus more, especially as you keep planting these seeds and keep inspiring people like myself. I'm very excited to one day be able to achieve my my journey or little goals and reach out, hey, with some sort of partnership. And as Jennifer continues to grow this, I'm sure the platform will increase the ears and hearts it'll reach. So while everything is in its infancy, I honestly feel so privileged and blessed to be able to have heard what your experience was. I just have a very good feeling about the future for your business and for your visions. Thank you so much, Marlene, for being with us today. Me and Brandon hope that you continue to persevere, continue to break through, continue to take your vision to higher heights, and that you are blessed financially to continue to give back to the community. And I want to do a part two because I just know that there's, you gave me that pumpkin story and like that sat with me because I'm going to wrap this up. I'm so sorry. You gave me that pumpkin story and it just reminded me of like those little things that you do for people in the community really pay dividends in confidence and, you know, community and just like just everything on reinvesting back into the community. So and even you sharing your story now to like adults, like I feel like I'm 30 and I'm like, I want to go quit my job and start a business, you know, because you're just doing the damn thing. So I really hope to have you back.